2: you are locked on vikings your daily minnesota vikings podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day
1: here comes eli manning you saw him last year
0: um you know he's obviously one of the greats playing the game um you know two-time super bowl winner so we've got our hands full they've also got a, a bunch of very very good receivers uh, that pop out on film so Definitely a lot, a lot to do this week. And um, anytime you play against a quarterback like this, it, you know, just just challenges you.
2: Welcome to Locked On Vikings Wednesday edition on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Sam Ekstrom at Sam Ekstrom. The co-host, as usual on Wednesdays, is Sage Rosenfels at Sage Rosenfels eighteen. Glad you're with us. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes. Leave a review. Leave a rating. Check us out on many of the different platforms that On partners with. We're all over the web. And, Sage, I'm all off schedule this week. You know, the Vikings play Monday night, and it's really a slow burn because the Vikings don't practice until tomorrow for the first time. Then they practice Friday, Saturday, and then we have to wait till Monday so we have another episode. We're going to have a lot of New York Giants preview. It's going to be a very thorough look at this game. we got a lot of time to kill.
0: Well, that's fine by me, and I actually just uh, decided uh, as of late last night to drive up for this game and uh, and be there for it. It's, uh, you know, obviously a Monday night game. It ends up being a bigger game, but also playing against another team I played for, the New York Giants, um, you know, two of my favorite franchises when I played in the NFL. So I decided to come up for this game, and it really should be a good one. Um, I think both teams are, are good football teams, and and playing good football, and I think, you know, as we both know, a lot of times my night games aren't good football games. I think this one is, is going to be a very good one.
2: Well, perfect segue into your time in New York. Now, you didn't exactly, you know, lay your flag down and plant roots in New York. You were there one year, but you got to, to spend a season with Eli Manning and Tom Coughlin back in 2010.
0: Well, it was a very strange year, just in general. Uh, I got traded when Brett Favre returned the second time. So I think I got traded about September, I'm going to say like September 2nd or something. And I got there, I think it was on a Saturday. Uh, that's the, those like the cut days, uh, you know, in NFL after that fourth preseason game. And I tried to learn this offense, this Kevin Gilbride offense, which was very challenging for me. It was different than anything I'd ever been in. It was not West Coast. It was not a North Turner type system. A lot of option routes from the old run and shoot days. Uh, even formations and motions were were very different. Protections were different, so that was a really big challenge early on. And, and obviously, we had our season, and then that next off season was a uh, where the CBA was was a, an issue. So we had no off season workouts. We had no. Uh, OTAs or mini camps and I think even training camp was pushed back a few days and so it was a very unusual year for me but I, I thoroughly enjoyed playing for the organization. Um, I'm sure some Viking fans know that the Wilfs grew up sort of loving the New York Giants. They're, they're probably their like second favorite NFL team uh, now that they own the, uh, the Minnesota Vikings and so uh, it, it really was a, it was a first-class organization. Working with Eli was fantastic. I learned a lot from him uh, I, I wasn't sure how good a player he was until I played with him, and I after I was done with that season, uh, the utmost respect for, for his abilities, for how smart he is. Uh, he's a playmaker as well, and, uh, and he really uh, you know, sort of uh, carries that franchise in a sense. He sort of says and does all the right things and, and sort of stays out of the, out of the nonsense, and, and um, you know, there's, there's a reason he's got two Super Bowl rings and, and two Super Bowl MVPs.
2: Yeah, you were there right between their Super Bowls because they won it in 08, and then again in 12, you were there in 2010. Uh, Tom Coughlin, of course, was still the coach. I've read a lot about Coughlin, and it seems like he, early in his career, was sort of a a dictator coach, and he was very hard-nosed, and sort of softened over time as he saw that his team responded better to it. What were your impressions of Coughlin?
0: It is strange that people think that, or, or I had heard that also i actually think physically he was the easiest coach uh that i played for at my time in the nfl hmm. uh i didn't think practices were that hard uh i didn't think he forced you know players to go all out and put on full pads after a bad loss or anything like that in practice um he reminded me of uh you know i grew up in the midwest and so when guys played bad or guys made mistakes, he let them know about it. And when guys did well, he let them know about it as well. I thought he was very fair. I think for a player, the worst, the things you don't like about a head coach is when they say one thing and then do something else. Hey, you're going to play this week, and then you don't. Hey, we really, really like you, and then we release you three days later. That happens sometimes in the NFL. And Coughlin was a very stand-up type of uh, man and, and, and coach, and players respected him, players loved him. Um, but I, I, I agree with you. I, I had heard when he was in Jacksonville, early New York Giants, that he was uh, extremely tough uh, to play for, and, and the practices were very physical, uh, and he didn't have a lot of sort of compassion empathy for his players uh, after, after practices or, or tough, uh, tough losses or, or whatever. So, uh, But I thoroughly enjoyed playing for him. Uh, he understood offense and defense uh, and special teams. He just understood what good quality football was, uh, and, uh, and he sort of kept his nose sort of out of our offense for the most part to the sort of Eli and Kevin Gilbride and and let sort of let those he let his coaches do their thing.
2: And of course, they've got Ben McAdoo in there as head coach now in his first year. Uh, one more question about the 2010 Giants. I believe you overlapped with a rookie Linval Joseph in your year in New York. What was rookie Linval Joseph like? Was he as intimidating as he is now? No, not at all.
0: And and uh, it's funny. We had a the defensive line was a strength of the New York Giants during those Super Bowl runs that they had with Justin Tuck and Strahan and Chris Canty and and uh, some other players. And so Linval was this sort of young, wet behind the ears. uh, You know, he had a little personality. I do recall that he wasn't like the quiet kid who went over and sat in the corner. But um, my guess is, and this usually happens to NFL players as they get more and more years under their belt. Uh, they get a little more, I guess, relaxed or whatever, but their personality shows more and more. You know, Their, their confidence shows more and more. Uh, from what I hear and everything I've ever seen with him with interviews, uh, he's a very likable guy on that football team. But Noah, at the time, he was the quiet rookie who was just sort of doing his job.
2: The Vikings now taking on these 2 and one Giants on Monday Night Football. And with the Giants comes Odell Beckham, Now, if you remember, the Vikings did not face Beckham last year on Sunday Night Football because of his kerfuffle with Josh Norman.
1: There's Beckham again. What is going on? Have you seen a guy this thrown off his game before? They ought to throw him out of the game, Joe, and they just might. I mean, he's out of control
2: which I think begs the question, you know, is Odell Beckham putting a target on his back, showing that he's vulnerable because he had that incident with Norman. And then last Sunday through a sideline tantrum, now he and McAdoo are sort of clashing. It seems like he's developing this reputation, not only as a dominant receiver, but as someone who is open or, uh, or vulnerable to chirping, if you will.
0: Yeah, well, that's, it seems like his, I don't want to say he doesn't have strong emotional intelligence, uh, but, you know, part of the, the challenge of playing football, uh, you know, it's this sport where your adrenaline is running extremely high. Uh, I would say, you know, oh, then maybe something like boxing or, or MMA. Uh, it's, it's extremely high, and um, the ability to control your emotions after a big play or a big flag against you or, or when something goes wrong, very, very challenging, and he has struggled with that early in his career. My guess is he has learned some very hard lessons. Uh, cause I, he's an extremely smart uh, a person just in general. Um, he's a freak athlete. You know, there's a lot of these young receivers from Antonio Brown to uh, Odell Beckham. Mm-hmm. Um, to you know, a lot of these guys. Uh, the, I was going to say the kid down in Miami. I can't think of his name right now. Parker. But a lot of these receivers now are, aren't um, you know big, strong, fast guys. They're these sort of in-betweeners from, like, tailback receiver types. Uh, Shoot Minnesota's got one. And uh, they're very good after the catch. They're very quick. Uh, but yet they they're, they're, their ability to go out and catch footballs and sort of play bigger than they are uh, allows them to be really good receivers, and it seems like the NFL receivers are sort of going in this mold uh, of guys who, who can do multiple things. They're a mix of slot and the outside, and they're very tough to guard, and he's, he's probably as tough to defend as anybody in the, in the NFL.
2: Captain Munerlin was talking to us about how he talked some trash to his former teammate Cam Newton when he was getting frustrated, and Newton's another guy with body language issues. you got to imagine that Munnerlin, even though he won't necessarily be matched up with Beckham, he'll be probably in his face, too, if uh, things go poorly for the Giants, and they'll have to get in the ball facing this, this big Vikings pass rush with Eli Manning, a non-mobile quarterback. The Vikings have done a great job in three games containing quarterbacks with great elusiveness a lot of people thinking they'll be able to feast on the non-mobile quarterback in Manning who can't escape the pocket as well.
0: Well, I got to think that the Giants are going to try to get the ball out of Eli Manning's hand. I mean, McAdoo does run a West Coast offense, which generally means you're not sitting back there holding on to the ball. You know, Back in his old days with Gilbride, uh, the running backs chipped, the tight ends chipped a lot, and there was a lot of this, these down-the-field routes where these, these receivers could run some routes and in-routes. and and curl routes, and and it was all sort of based off of the defense, and Eli held on the ball for three or four hitches, and this West Coast offense, McAdoo likes to get it out uh, in in sort of the old West Coast fashion, Uh, and he has some receivers to do it. It's not just uh, Odell Beckham, Victor Cruz is back uh, and healthy, and and, uh, he's got some other players as well, so uh, I I would suspect to keep uh, Eli upright. They're going to get the ball out quickly because you you play a team that just had eight sacks against a fairly mobile quarterback. Uh, you're going to adjust your game plan accordingly.
2: And I've also got Sterling Shepard, who a lot of people are high on there uh, at the third wide receiver spot. It's Locked On Vikings, Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to check out Locked On NFL and Locked On Fantasy. And with Art Stapleton, you can check out Locked On Giants this week, and he'll be on the show
1: tomorrow. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst.
2: So uh, something interesting that came from the Monday press conference with Mike Zimmer, he he said that he doesn't look at stats until Thanksgiving, (coughs) which doesn't totally surprise me because I know that that these really aren't stat guys. They're more about results. They're more about process. Did you ever have a, a coaching staff that actually put some emphasis on the numbers and where you stood and where you needed to be? Or is it just about W's and L's in this league?
0: Well, it's always the number one stat that matters is W's and L's. But I always sort of thought we most coaches worried about stats too much, uh, and and definitely too much too early in the season. I mean, we could sit here and talk about that the Vikings are in first place in, in the NFC North, but who cares, right? We're three games into the season. Um, it really, all it really matters is what happens about when Thanksgiving. Uh, I think sort of gets to Thanksgiving time and start to go, okay, where are we at? Are we one game back, two games back, one game up? Uh, but until then, nothing really matters. And, yes, coaches would come out and say, you know, we're third in the NFL in, in total defense. I'm like, we're three games into the season. Maybe we just haven't played three very good offenses yet. Uh, or one game was in the rain and, no one, you know, each team had 200 yards of offense. And so, uh, I like the fact that they don't worry about stats too much. I think stats are very overrated, in particular early in the season because the season is a is a marathon. The season is a lifetime. And when you start worrying about that first mile in the marathon, uh, you get – Uh, caught up in in things that don't really matter and at the end of the day uh, stats don't matter at all it's just wins and losses
2: yeah well you don't want to get too high or too low and that's the other thing Zimmer talked about they they shut out the positivity they shut out the negativity and they just go on the straight path and it'd be easy to get caught up in a lot of the praise going around for this Vikings defense first in sacks First in turnover differential, third in points allowed. Some really great numbers that are popping off the stat sheet right now in favor of the Vikings. One place that didn't like them was uh, 538.com, the analytics website. They're saying that the Vikings are succeeding based on unsustainable performances with the defensive scores, winning despite poor offensive performances. Uh, Do you feel like the Vikings are towing the line here with getting behind early in games and then relying on their defense to come back?
0: Well, I think that's fair. I mean, you can't expect to go into a football game and go, well, we're probably going to score one touchdown on defense and get a safety in this football game. Or we're probably going to uh, rely on our kickoff return team, Cordell Patterson, to score at least one touchdown and, and, uh, and, and get four interceptions. That, that's, that generally doesn't happen. Uh, But they have done that so far in each and every game. And so um, it's something that they've been lucky to to have. And while this offense is sort of trying to figure itself out and Sam Bradford gets more and more comfortable, he's now played two games. It seems like their offense is playing better and better in the second half of these two games, which is interesting. Um, And so that would be nice if they could start putting – uh, three-quarters and four-quarters together and be more consistent. And uh, obviously with Adrian Peterson out and, and the offensive line uh, shuffling possibly a little bit this week, uh, there's going to be more adjustments made. And so I think this offense is still trying to figure itself out. Tony Sperano, you no know, first-year offensive uh, line coach and, and those types of things. And so um, – You know, I I think it's it's at least the Vikings are winning, right? But uh, yeah, yeah, they can't rely on, you know, defensive touchdowns every single week uh, to to win a lot of football games in the National Football League.
2: You mentioned the offensive line shakeup. Maybe you could go out onto the streets of Omaha and grab someone to give us a scouting report on Jeremiah Searles, the the cornhusker. Mm -hmm. He's probably going to be in for Alex Boone this week. Roster move yesterday with Willie Beavers, the fourth round rookie, getting called up to the active roster. He plays guard, and that could be a sign that Boone's hip injury might be keeping him out. Jeremiah Searles, who played the second half against Carolina, is likely the first replacement for Boone. Just another injury to the offense that the Vikings will have to withstand.
0: Well, Alex Boone, I think, has been uh, has played fairly well. Uh, he's been one of the positives of this offensive line uh, throughout the first three games. But uh, yeah, it, that's it's sort of a next man up mentality, right? I mean, no one's no one's going to feel sorry for the Vikings for losing an offensive lineman I if he doesn't play in this ball game. I mean, the New England Patriots uh, in that Week One. Uh, win in uh, in Arizona, uh, played with basically five new offensive linemen and two backup tackles and an undrafted free agent rookie center. So, uh, if you have a good offensive line coach and and they and they learn how to play well together, um, you know it's uh, it's the only way to sort of go. It's next man up mentality, and you you know you're going to have injuries going going into a uh, a season on that offensive line. It it almost never. Uh, happens where we go an entire season uh, injury-free. And so, uh, you know, next man up, and and we'll see how these young
2: guys play. It's really bizarre when you think about what this offensive line was projected to be and what it is now. You could have made a very good case that from left to right, Mm -hmm. the line was going to be Khalil, Boone, Sullivan, Mike Harris, Phil Lodeholt. And instead, it's now Clemmings, Searles, Berger, Fusco... Andre Smith. It's a complete (laughs) overhaul from what a lot of the experts believed in the offseason. Some of that's due to injuries. Some of that's due to retirement. Some of that's due to releases with John Sullivan, who actually got a new job with the Redskins yesterday. It's amazing how many hits this team has taken on the offensive line.
0: Well, I think we should use that term experts uh, loosely, even though you and I are supposed to be couple of those experts, Quote but uh, yeah. you just never know, you never know, and, and you know Joe Berger uh, well, you know, was supposed to be the backup the last couple of years, and he's played a ton of football for the Minnesota Vikings, and so I think the offensive line, uh, and this has uh, been a conversation since we started this podcast, uh, is always going to be a concern. It's the toughest position to coach and to get five guys to work together in unison to play well in both the run game and the pass game, uh, so even if you have really good players, it can be challenging. Uh, but to basically have you know five new guys, I, obviously Berger and Fusco have worked uh, plenty together, but to have you know three brand new guys uh, out there, uh, that, that's a, that's definitely a challenge and something we'll have to you know keep talking about, keep analy- analyzing throughout this season.
2: Well, Sage, we won't burn all of our New York talking points uh, today. We've still got Friday. We've still got Monday. And we've got Art Stapleton of Lockdown Giants on the show tomorrow. So we'll call it good for today. Sage, we'll talk to you again on Friday morning.
0: Sounds great. Talk to Friday.
2: He's Sage Rosenfels on Twitter at Sage Rosenfels18. Once again, I'm Sam Ekstrom at Sam Ekstrom. Make sure to also check out Locked on Timberwolves as the basketball season gets started. Training camp is underway with Tom Thibodeau. Alan Horton hosts Locked on Timberwolves. Thanks for listening to Locked on Vikings. We'll be with Art Stapleton
1: in the morning. list.